This is Pastor Chad. Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We are honored that you have joined us today. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now, let's jump in to today's message. So let me, let me word it a different way. God's here. His presence is here. And the same glory and weight that you're feeling, that heaviness, is what's going to break a generational curse off of your life. Right. Which is going to restore your marriage tonight. What's going to restore your family tonight. And I know half of y'all were clapping, but I need you to know breakthrough starts with you, not your wife. Listen, as I walked up here, the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clear, and I'm talking very, very clear. And he said, every time I wanted to change a nation and every time I wanted something to happen according to my will, I chose one man to do it. And God said, so who's going to be the man that's going to do it for me today? Come on. I'm only getting half of y'all. The rest of you will catch you later. By the end of the service, hopefully you're with us. But I'm here to tell you, everything that's going on, in this nation everything that's going on to try to distract us from what's going i'm telling you right here right now god's looking for a group of men that are going to be able not just to play church but be the church not just to be able to cute just clap your hands and say okay god i'll do it but god's looking for a group of men on a wednesday night at the beginning of june to say who can i trust with my glory who can i trust with my spirit who can i trust with my anointing not just to change my family but to change this state to change this region and to change this nation because if you won't god said i'll choose somebody else and i don't know about you but i'm not gonna let a stone take the place of what is mine and i'm telling you right now the same god that moved to tear down the city of Jericho is the same God that's here to take down the racial insecurity in this nation. And you know what broke down Jericho? Praise. So what's going to break down all this mess? Praise. Come on, give God a clap of praise right now. Now, I know it's not, you know, comfortable in this setting you know due to the restrictions but as you take your seat air five somebody holler at him and say hey what's up go ahead be seated in the presence of god
Well, good first Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to Men's Night 2020. The women had their night a couple of months ago, and we get our very own night tonight. How many guys are excited about that? There we go. Good to see everybody. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the pre-show. Um, here in just a second, you're like, what are you doing with all these heads? Don't worry, we'll get to it in just a second. But let me get through these announcements real fast. First of all being, um, we're going to collect the tithes and offerings at the end of service. We're going to have an offering bucket placed in the back. So as you exit, if you brought physical uh, money to be able to give uh, to sow into the kingdom, you can do that at the end of service. Um, or you can text the amount that you would like to give to 304-205-1866. Just text the amount that you'd like to give there, or you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv and you can give there as well. Also, make sure you guys register RSVP for this Sunday's worship experience. Seats are getting uh, filled up with families. How many guys enjoyed being back in the house of God this last Sunday? What an awesome word from Pastor Chad on how to build relationships and sow into them. And uh, last but not least, it would only be right Okay, because we're giving away a grill, we're giving away, you know, all this stuff. It would only be right if during the middle of this we threw a curveball, right? If we just threw like a massive 12-6 curveball here. So Pastor Josh, if you would join me at this time, what I need y'all to do, I know it's, I told you to sit down, but I need y'all to get back up on your feet, and I need y'all to do me a favor, because what do we got here? We got some t-shirts, we got brand new Bethesda shirt. I put it on my head, but that freaks somebody out. Brittany, how many guys want some of this stuff right here? How many guys want a brand new hat? It's free, y'all don't have to pay for it. You got it, just show it. How many guys want it? Oh, come on, get on your feet, get loud. How many guys want it? How many guys want it? Let's chuck them out there, come on. Let's get loud. Who wants this hat? We'll throw that one right over there. Hopefully it don't hit nobody. Please forgive me if it does. We can throw that one right back there. And then we got this t-shirt. I don't know what it is, but it looks cool. People in the back, what's up? And then we got a little uh, more than conqueror shirt. We'll throw that one back there right on the money. I'm Peyton Manning. Thank you very much. One right up there to the front row to Mr. Nate Farley. We got one back there. Looks like it's going to go right to Alex Brand. And then how about you throw this one as far as you can? Don't throw out your arm. Boom. And right to him. And all right, I got one last shirt. Who wants it? Who wants it? And I'm not going to be able to throw this far. What are y'all talking about? That's as far as it went. Okay, cool. All right. Well, listen, hey, while we're standing, why don't you bow your head, close your eyes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we head into tonight's message. God, we thank you for your anointing, your presence that is in this place. God, we thank you for everything that you're doing at Bethesda Church and in Bethesda Church. God, we pray that tonight that all hearts and minds would be open. Father, that, Lord, you would speak to us in such a powerful way that we would leave changed. God, I pray right now that through your word, that your Holy Spirit would just manifest, and Lord, lives would be changed, Lord, purpose would be called to, Lord, that curses would be broken, Father, Lord, anointings would be birthed, Father, that, Lord, in the midst of everything going on, Lord, we could just seek you in your presence right now. So, God, we thank you for what you're going to do in this night, and every man of Bethesda Church said, amen. Hey, are you golfing today? Yeah. It's the second time this week. But you said it was fine. It is fine. It's perfectly fine. Are you confused by female behavior? Wish you had a translator to understand what she means? Well, you're in luck. Introducing the manslater. 
a revolutionary device that translates woman language into simple man words. Finally, the power to know what she means. Okay, cool, let me just check with my wife. Hey babe, a tea time open up later, you mind if I go? Fine, if that's what you wanna do. No go, stay home. On second thought, I think I'll just stay here with you and watch the notebook. Aw, how sweet. Now that's more like it. The Manslater uses emotion-deciphering technology to help you out of the toughest jams. Hey, is everything okay? You sound upset. Why would I be upset? Forgot anniversary, jerk! Oh, no way! Happy anniversary, babe. You remembered. Come on, of course I did. Thanks to the Manslater's patented FemLogic processing chip, now any man can decode statements like... Are you wearing that? You change! Now! Hey, do you want to get some coffee? Me want coffee! Do you think she's pretty? You think she? Prettier than me? Aw, you're such a good friend. Me never date you! I'm fine. Me not fine! I'll be ready in five minutes. Me ready 30 minutes! Do whatever you want. Could you rub my shoulders a little bit? No, hanky-panky. Only massage. Be serious. The man's later even works on men. Finally, women can learn the deeper meaning of his words. Whoa. Your beauty is stunning. Hey, mind if I catch a movie with the guys? You are a lovely, wonderful woman who meets all of my needs. And even though I will miss you, this night I wish to see Death Cop 9 with my bros. I'm fine. I'm fine, really. The Manslater can even be customized, with voices of real celebrities being impersonated, like Yoda. In much trouble you are, do the doghouse go you. Or Mr. T. I pity the fool who leaves the toilet seat up. So get your Manslater today. Clarity is just a phone call away. You need by me. Could you fellas use one of those? Good to see you guys, Bethesda men. Men of God, are you guys glad to be here tonight? Man, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, what an awesome presence of God in this place. And um, God has a word for us tonight. I'm excited to share it with you. Um, there's just something powerful about men coming together to worship Jesus and not to be ashamed. Um, and I believe that men are extremely important um, to the kingdom of God, specifically men. Um, we often, um, I, I think, underestimate the role of a man according to God's plan for us. And um, if we're talking about the kingdom of God and the importance of men, I, I've said this many times, but I want to reiterate it tonight, is that we oftentimes, we preach Jesus, but we don't always preach the message that Jesus preached. And the message that Jesus preached was the kingdom of God. And I believe that building the kingdom of God starts with the men of God. And so with that being said, I want to talk to you tonight for a few moments on the weight of manhood. The weight of manhood. As you take a close look into God's word, you will discover that God has a lot to say specifically to men. That God has a high expectation for men. 
that God expects men to carry some weight. Some of the statistics that speak to that is, is this. If a child has no father, he or she is 500% more likely to be poor. If a child has no father, he or she has a much higher chance of being incarcerated or experiencing substance abuse. If a child has no father, they are 100% more likely to drop out of school. If a child has no father, they are 100% more likely to experience physical, emotional, and educational neglect. I believe that we are devastating a generation because we are asking women to do things that they were never anointed to do. And I'm not, I'm not dismissing them, but they, many, in many cases, the women have to step up and be both the man and the woman because the man is absent. The man is not leading. In Psalm chapter 82, verses 4 and 5, it says, Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. That line, they, they walk about in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are unstable. When scripture speaks of darkness, it's not, it doesn't mean that somebody turned the light out. It doesn't mean that I cannot see physically speaking. Darkness in scripture speaks to ignorance. That's what darkness speaks to. It means that we are without knowledge. The result is that the earth is shaken. The earth is unstable. Now, I'm going to tie another passage of Scripture to this, and then we'll kind of connect the dots. Um, but the, the Scripture that I want to read right now is, is um, you don't hear it a lot in church, and I think the reason you don't hear it in church is because it's in your face, it's kind of confrontational, and people don't know what to do with this text but Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, starting in verse 7, he said, a man, not, a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. Now I'm going to stop right there because that's a mouthful. The man is the image and glory of God. That is not talking about the woman at all. It's talking about the man. The man is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. All right, can you guys see two different, talking male and female. The man is the image and glory of God, the woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. So Paul says that man is the image and the glory of God, which means that I should be able to look at a man and see the reflection of God. I should be able to look at a man and, and see the expressed image of God. I think it's interesting that the Bible tells us here that the man is the glory of God, and the word glory means weight, that's what glory means. It's the weightiness. That's what we felt during worship. That's the weight of God. And tonight we're talking about the weight of manhood. My question is, is how well are you expressing the image of God? How well are you expressing the image of God in your home, to your children, 
to your place of employment. Man is the image of God. It is the, it, that man is the image and the glory of God. And Paul goes on to tell us that man is not from woman, but woman from man. The foundations of the earth that the writer of Psalms, the first scripture that we read, when he said that it's unstable, he's not talking about the core or the crust of the earth. He's talking about the laws that govern how you and I live. The principles that govern the way that we live to express the image of God. And because we don't understand the laws that govern our life, that everything becomes shaken and unstable. It's kind of like algebra. I don't know how you feel about algebra, but I hated it. Thanking God for a couple of classmates right now. That helped. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I hated algebra. I, I was cool. I'm good with like math, but when you start throwing in letters and all that, like I'm like, I'm, I'm done. Not, not for me. But they tell me, the people that are good at algebra tell me that if you get the formula right, it doesn't matter how big or how small the problem, you keep working the formula. But you just keep working. If you got the formula, you can work the problem out. And I believe that many times we're trying to approach the problems in our nation and the problems in our society, maybe even the problems in your home, and we don't have the proper formula. We're missing something. Because there are laws that govern everything that we do. There are laws that govern the presence of God. It doesn't matter how bad my day has been. It doesn't matter if I've been sick in body. How many of you understand that if I will praise God, His presence comes into my situation regardless? That's a law that governs the presence of God. That no matter what's going on in my life, that if I praise Him, if I, if I worship Him, His presence comes to where I am. There's a formula for peace. A lot of people are absent. They, they don't have peace in their life. They're anxious about everything. But there's, the scripture gives me the principle that if I keep my mind fixed on God, he will keep my heart in perfect peace. How many know that's not about the circumstances? That's about my focus. That's a principle that governs the peace of God in my life. There are laws that, that govern your affliction and the bad things that happen to you and I. We've done a horrible job in the church of explaining why bad things happen to good people. We've, we've done a really bad job at that. Uh, what we have to remember is what Paul said when he said this, we don't look at the things which are seen, we look at the things that are unseen. The things that I see are temporary, but the things that I cannot see are eternal. Paul went on to say that this light and momentary affliction is producing a new level of glory in my life. With everything that's going on in this nation, did you know that God plans to use it to bring us to a new level of anointing, a new level of glory? Because some of the problems we're facing, we can't fix. It's his presence that's going to fix it. It's his presence that's going to do that. So there's a formula within the kingdom that helps me deal with all the things that life throws at me. We think that it only works when problems are small. I don't know about how you felt this week, but man, I, I, I just wanted to go get in a hole somewhere with everything going on in our nation. Just wanted to go hide somewhere. 
because I look at it all and I'm like, how in the world? Because we think God can manage these small things. But I was reminded this afternoon that God is really, really good at the big things. And just maybe this is one of those things that we can't fix, but the presence of God can come in and do something that we've not been able to do for decades and even centuries. Come on, somebody. If you believe that God can do something, even in the midst of affliction, there are laws. Get a little more practical now. There are laws that govern divine order and authority in your house. There's a protocol. There is a way that a man is called to love his wife. There is a way that a wife is to respond to that love. In other words, there's, there's a protocol for love. There, there are laws that govern love. Love is so ill-defined in this generation. We have no clue what love is. 1 Corinthians 13 does not define love as a feeling. I lose my crowd every time I talk about this. Love is not a feeling. If you can fall in, bless God, you can fall out. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. If you don't love someone, it's because you've chosen not to love them. It's a choice. Choices lead, feelings follow. I lead with my decisions. So I'm going to give you quick four things that's not on the screen, but I want you to understand this because we're going to go a little bit deeper. We have to understand these things. Number one, everything in life has a purpose. There is nothing in the earth without purpose. Everything serves a purpose or, watch this, or it's thrown out. Anything that's not serving a purpose is thrown out. Secondly, when purpose is not known, when it's not known, abuse is inevitable. Where Whatever you do not know the purpose of will be abused. You can stand in an altar and say, I, I take you to be my wedded wife. But if you don't know the purpose of a wife, you will abuse her. You, you can say, oh, we're so excited, we're having our first child. But if you don't know the purpose of children, you will abuse that child. Anything that we don't know the purpose of, we ultimately abuse it. You say, Pastor, I'm finally making some real good money. If you don't know the purpose of money, you will abuse money. Whatever we don't know the purpose of, we abuse. Anything that we do not understand, we end up abusing. And, and a simple definition of abuse is this, abnormal use. Abnormal use. I meet men all the time who have cast off all restraint and responsibility. And they, 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 they will even say sometimes, I, I just want to help build the kingdom of God. And I, I got this dream in my heart. And I want to accomplish all these things yet their life is out of control. Why does that happen to men? Because men do not know their purpose. Men miss out on the purpose. And, and when, once a man knows his purpose, it brings everything in his life into alignment. His marriage gets better. His relationship with his kids becomes stronger. He starts to excel at the place of employment. Why? Because when I step into, in, into my assignment and my purpose, God begins to align everything else. But a lot of men are stumbling through life. No meaning, no purpose, missing out on what God has for them. 
The third thing I would give you here is that if you want to know the purpose of a thing, don't ask the thing. If my computer starts acting funny, I don't ask it, what's wrong with you? I call Apple. I call who made it. That computer cannot tell me what's wrong with it, but the manufacturer can. So I call the one that, that made it. And that leads me to the fourth quick thing is that purpose is only found in the maker. We have men trying to function without being connected to their maker. They're trying to function without being truly connected to him. Listen, this is going to be strong, but I'm going to go ahead. I debated, should I say it? Should I not say it? God is everyone's creator, but he is not everyone's father. I ought to just drop the mic and go on home. He's everyone's creator, but he's not everyone's father. How many of we have to choose to follow him? We have to choose to become sons. We have to choose to become men of God. So how are we going to know our function when we ignore the one who gives us our function? How, how are we going to be good fathers on the earth if we're not connected to our heavenly father? Everything comes out of God. It's interesting to me that God gave Adam, which Adam speaks of maleness. He gives Adam the same name that he carries. And the name means source, you got to get this, source and sustainer. That's the name that God gave to man. You may want to write this down because the call of God for man is that he be both the source and the sustainer. In the Bible, this was so important that you could not, uh, in the Old Testament, you could not, if you could not find your lineage, they would not let you worship. You had to know where you came from. If you wanted to go into the priesthood, they had, and, and you wanted to be on the list of the priests, and, and if they could not find your lineage, you were not qualified. And, and so God gives man the name that means source and sustainer because God has always intended that man be the foundation. You want, you want to know why our world's so upside down? It's because men are not taking their rightful place. And guys, please don't take this message tonight as, you know, well, he's anti-woman. My, my wife is, is the co-lead pastor of this church. Women have a place, but I'm saying men are the foundation. And I'm going to go a little bit deeper to, to help us understand this. Man is the foundation of the home, of the marriage, of the children, and, check this out, of the house of God. You know why, why we're just kind of like whatever? Because we've allowed men become complacent. And we've taken this step back, and we're just like, let the women do it all. Let them lead in the home. Let them lead at church. Let them lead when God has designed that man be the foundation. Why do you think that most boring chapter in the entire New Testament is Matthew chapter 1? Everybody reads right over it because it says, so-and-so begat so-and-so. And then so-and-so began, and it goes on and on and on and on. Matthew was moved upon by the Holy Spirit to give us the lineage of Jesus. 
men are the source and the sustainer. Secondly, fathers, and you could put in parentheses right here, men create identity. Men create identity. It was never up to the mother to create identity. The sex of an unborn child comes out of the male sperm. Can I say that tonight, gentlemen? Comes out of the man. Identity, the gender comes from the man. And not just the gender of the child, but the spiritual direction. So man is responsible for the sex biologically, but also the function in the spiritual realm. It is, it is our place to set the tone there. Jesus had a really good mama. The Virgin Mary, amazing. But he didn't do anything until he heard his daddy speak over him. When the heavens opened and the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Then Jesus said, I'm anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised. I'm telling you, men, if we could just hear our daddy's voice, we could take our rightful place in this world and produce change. But you got to be that for your kids too. You got to set the tone for your house. Jesus was born of a virgin, an unwed teenager, and, and, and this, this gave um, him some obstacles. The religious community used it against him. On one occasion, because nobody really knew what was going on with Jesus and, or, or with Mary and Joseph, they asked him one day, they said, Jesus, who is your daddy? They were basically saying, you're illegitimate. But Jesus responded, and, and he asked them, well, who's your father? And they were like, well, Abraham is our father. And Jesus responded back, and he said, before Abraham was, I am. Your daddy is Abraham, but I'm Abraham's daddy. It all started with me. You trace it to Abraham, but, but I am before Abraham. Go ask Abraham where he came from. See, the call of man is to be the source and the sustainer, and men also create identity. The next point I want to give you is that God puts source in every man. He puts source in every man. Man is the source of life. Women are the incubator of life. The source of life had to flow out of man. When God went to the dirt to create Adam, if you'll remember in the book of Genesis, the Bible says he went to the dirt to create Adam, and the scripture says that he formed Adam out of the dust of the earth. He formed him. And, and the word form means that when God made Adam, he was personally involved. It, it, it's like a potter sculpting the clay. God formed Adam with his hands and put a part of himself in Adam. And this is important because after God went to the dirt to create Adam, God never returned to the dirt again. From that point forward, everything that happened came out of Adam. He didn't go back to the dirt. He didn't form Eve. He pulled Eve out of Adam. He formed Adam, and then he pulled Eve out of Adam. Now, now a lot of you are like, oh, we're awesome. But do you know what this means? We have the responsibility. 
That's why I'm talking about the weight of manhood. The weight of this responsibility as men. Specifically, men of God. It, it literally means that because we're responsible, if your marriage is broken, you should be taking inventory of yourself. If there's something broken in your wife, it probably is an indicator there's something broken in you. Man did not come out of woman, but woman came out of man. And anything that comes out of something is what we call offspring. The Bible says that whatever comes out of man, he not only created it, but now man, it, well, anything that God pulls out of you, not only do you give birth to that thing, whatever it is, but you also have to uphold it. That's where the weight comes in. That's where the responsibility comes in. You're not a man because you have offspring. You're a man when you can make offspring and then sustain the offspring. This is what it looks like to be a man. We know that in our relationship with God that he, he made us, he created us, um, he sustains us, he covers us. He, he does all of those things. God, the Bible says God spoke everything into existence, but Hebrews tells us not only did he speak it into existence, but he's still holding it all together. That's the kind of call that's on men. That whatever you create, you are now responsible to hold it together. See, we're not shouting about the whole God got in the dirt and never went back to the dirt. Because, you know, the responsibility... God gave me this a couple of years ago, and it wrecked me because I realized at that point forward that I had, to, I had to take responsibility for everything in my world. For a man, you can't just be a victim. Mm -mm -mm, this is going so well. See, no one takes notice of, of the beams of this new building. Nobody pays attention to it. They don't, they don't talk about the beams. Oh, what beautiful beams. No one does. They come in and say, wow, I want one of those. I want some of that. What did y'all pay for these lights? They don't, they don't talk about the beams. They, they don't talk about it at all. No one says it's a beautiful beam. We're, we're thankful for the beams and the structure. But... What we have to understand is that the beams in this church are created to do a job without ever being praised for it. I can't give you a better definition of manhood. It means that you keep doing the job. You keep being responsible. Even when you're not being praised for it, even when you're not being thanked for it, you just keep holding it all together. If your finances are falling apart, the man holds it together. If the marriage is falling apart, the man holds it together. That's why so many women are breaking is because we haven't taken responsibility and we put all that weight that God assigned to us and we've allowed them to carry it. Anybody want to do premarital? You got to know what you're signing up for. Got to know what you're signing up for. And so my question is, where are the men of God? 
We're the men that will stand in the middle of everything falling apart and just like a beam that nobody's going to pay any attention to, they will hold it all together. Say, we're not quitting. We're not throwing in the towel. I'm, I'm, I'm called to be a source and a sustainer. So there is a weight to manhood. One of the things that the building inspectors wanted to be very certain of when they came here when we were building the structure was the foundation. And we spent so much time on foundation. There is so much money underneath this ground. Before we could even start, like hundreds of thousands of dollars in the ground. Hundreds of thousands. Before you even start putting up wall. Why? Because the foundation has to be right or it'll all fall apart. Man, men, you are the foundation. You are the foundation. That's where the energy's got to be, to become the foundation that God has called us to be. But a lot of men have cracks in their foundation. Cracks in their character. And that's not a judgment. We all have things we're working through. But, but there are cracks many times. And, and what we have to understand, and a lot of men, they just want to explode or implode. But what you don't understand, that as a man, if you implode, it's not just you. Everything, you're the source and sustainer, which means that if you implode, everybody connected to you is affected. Everything around you is connected. It, it will be affected because of your role. Because of the assignment on your life, the problem for us many times is that as men, our gift exceeds our character. So we're super talented, but we don't have character. There's cracks in the foundation. Your gift will make room for you, but it's your character that will keep you in the room. When Adam and Eve messed up, I'm going to show you the weight. I, I want you to get this. When Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, first question I have is, when Satan came to tempt her, is where was Adam? Because he was her covering. He was her protector. Where was Adam while this conversation is taking place? Like, where was he? And, and after they sinned and God came into the garden, he didn't ask where Eve was. He didn't care. Why? Because Adam was responsible. He came asking, Adam, where are you? I formed you out of the dust of the ground. I put a part of myself in you. Eve came out of you. You're the one that's responsible. Where are you, Adam? And I want to ask, men of God, where are you? Is this too strong? Where are you? Men, you have to know the difference between fault and responsibility. It may not be your fault, but it's all your responsibility. I have the privilege and honor of leading this church, but when guests come, if they have a bad experience in the parking lot, it's not my fault, but it's my responsibility. If the production team really messes up, it's not my fault. But how many of you understand? It's still my responsibility. 
So, so you, may, you may say, well, Pastor, my marriage is all messed up and it's not my fault. It, it may not be your fault that the marriage is messed up. It may not be your fault that the kids are acting crazy. It may not be your fault that you lost the job. But men, it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. Yay to be a man. You're the foundation of your home. You have to sustain it and hold it together. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, normally this scripture is used as a ball bat to get lazy men to go to work. But it's not the context. The word provide in the text actually means provision. In other words, we could read this as, he who does not have a vision for his house is worse than an infidel. Infidel meaning one who is ruled by his senses. So if I don't have, it, God spoke to me a couple years ago and said, you got a vision for Bethesda, but you don't have a, a vision for your house. Talk about some repenting. Because I knew what we were called to do here, what we were supposed to do, where we were going to be in five years. I can tell you anything you want to know about Bethesda and the vision and what I saw. But it literally means in this text that if you don't have a vision for your home, that means, men, God wants to show you some cool things about your wife. He wants you to, to be able to speak vision into her, to speak vision into your kids. To set the direct, it doesn't mean that we control everybody. It means that we can set the course and get them heading in the right direction. But we got, we got to humble ourselves, men, and realize that we have a big responsibility. And if we get into alignment, everything in our house gets into alignment. Man, I'm thankful when kids get saved. I'm thankful when women get saved. But man, I'll tell you the thing that, that makes me want to run 29 laps around this whole campus is when a man who is married and has kids comes into this place and gives his life to Jesus because I know everything in that house is about to shift. It's a powerful thing. God designed the man to see a future for his home. I love it because God, when he created Adam, the first thing he said about him was, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for him to be by himself. And it can be translated in the Hebrew as it's not good for man to be all one. Not just alone. It's translated all one. Just, just Adam. All one by himself. Adam was created in the image of God. And, and we know that God had the ability to create God had, has the ability to reproduce, which means that, that God can multiply things. How many know God can multiply things? He gave that same kind of, of anointing to Adam. Man was created in the image of God. That's why I read that to you earlier. Man could also create and produce by himself. But God basically is saying, there's one area where man is like me that he don't need to be. And so he pulled Eve out of it. He pulled that part out of Adam. That's why sex is so powerful, because it's a coming back together. It's a coming back together. That's why it's so powerful. Eve was pulled out of him. Now, we're going somewhere with this. Hit, don't hit your neighbor. Don't touch your neighbor. 
Just look at them. Say, we're, we're almost there. Man, y'all are weak tonight. So God pulled woman out of him. And, and we know that, that not only did he, he pull Eve out of Adam, it means that there are things that Eve had that Adam didn't have now. Things that Adam had that Eve didn't have. But when they came together, the two becoming one, they had everything they needed. What this means in the marriage, can I speak to the marriage real quick? What it means in the marriage is that we get on one another's nerves. Don't be holy, men. Don't act like you ain't ever argued with your wife. We get on one another's nerves, but we need each other badly. We, we may fuss, but I can't make it without you, and you can't make it without me. It's only when we come together as one. And look at this verse in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, talking about your wife, dwell with them with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. God puts the burden on the man to live with her with understanding. He specifically tells the man, live with her with understanding. He does not give that same assignment to the woman. And, and the reason God doesn't have to tell the woman to live with us with understanding is because men ain't that deep. We, I, 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 it's funny, but we're simple. Women are complex. Can I get a witness right there? There's some women in this building going to be mad at me tonight. I can already feel it. He says, I want you to live with her with understanding. Because women are complex. Men talk linear. Women talk circular. Men speak in straight lines. And women talk in circles. And that's not criticisms. That's, not ju that's just the way it is. Men, when we speak, we say things like, I'm hungry. It itches. I'm sore. How was your day at work? Your wife asked you, fine. On the contrary, you, you ask your wife, what are we having for dinner? Well, I went over to Food Line to pick up some chicken. When I got there to get the chicken, I realized that the price of chicken had gone up, and I'm not paying that much for chicken. So I got my coupons out, and I got all that together. And then I ran in to Susie, and Susie, you know, she's gained a lot of weight. And I told her about Weight Watchers, how it had worked for me. What about the chicken? Well, I didn't buy chicken because the coupons were expired. And so I ended up buying beef, and now we're having tacos. How many men feel me when I say, all I needed was tacos? Like, I didn't need Susie. I didn't need Weight Watchers. I didn't need coupons. Just tell me tacos. We speak different languages. We speak linear. Women do not. And, and so... We're, we're wired different, and God says to honor the woman as the weaker vessel. And that's not, it's not talking about physical strength, guys. It's talking about what we've been building this whole message, that we are supposed to 
set the tone in our home, to lead the way, it, 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 that we are responsible. That is the weight of manhood. As I'm getting ready to wrap up, I'll ask the worship team to come get in place. That doesn't mean I'm quitting, but we're, we're getting there. Men are processors. Though we may not speak in circles and talk out loud a lot, a lot of men spend a lot of time thinking before they ever speak. If a woman is thinking about something, typically they are saying it as they're thinking it. A man will spend a lot more time thinking about it. Get this, a man speaks seven to 14,000 words a day. Seven to 14,000. A woman speaks 20 to 40,000 a day. That's why when you get in an argument, you just wanna walk out the room because you can't hang. You don't have that many words in your vocabulary. You've ran out. You're like, you win, honey. You win. What I've learned about men, though, because we are processors, is that when we're going through difficult times, many times we go into what I call a spiritual cave where it's just us and our thoughts. Sometimes that can come across as that we don't care about what's going on, maybe in your home or what's going on at work or because you've gotten so quiet. But it isn't that men don't care, we just process. And I'll go as far as to say that when a man gets real quiet, it's because he's really concerned. A man goes oftentimes into solitary confinement to process. He doesn't say everything that he's feeling. He may, I, I don't know how it is for you, but if I'm going through something really, really difficult, I may be quiet for days. It, it doesn't, I don't mean that I don't speak to anyone. I'm just saying I'm more in here. I'm not, I'm not bubbly. I'm not, you know, high five. I'm not, I'm, I'm processing. And the problem with men going into that process, into isolation, to process is God's pronouncement that it's not good that men be alone. We all know what they do to punish hardened criminals. They can take somebody who's murdered 20 people, put them in prison, and then what they'll do is they'll put them in solitary confinement, put them all by themselves, and someone who's done so much devastation will become like an eight-year-old child under those conditions because it's not good for man to be alone. The problem with men is that the burden is on us to understand our families, to understand our wives, to be the foundation for our home, for our children. There's a weight, there's a responsibility. And by nature, we're often processors. I want you to think about it. I mean, it, it's a different kind of assignment. The assignment on the man is not the same as the assignment on the woman. And it's not that one is of greater importance. We all have to fulfill our role, our assignment. But think about some of these things. She has a cycle, you don't. You can smile. You speak one language, she speaks five. When a man says yes or no, generally he means yes or no. When a woman says yes or no, it can mean 29 different things. We're different. 
by design, by design. So the problem is that because we have the weight, we have the responsibility. And oftentimes, if we're going through a difficult season, we enter into what I call a spiritual cave. The, pro the, the, the problem with that is that we won't, we won't stay in there by ourselves. And here's what God gave me. When men go into that spiritual cave because of whatever it is that they're facing, they will not remain alone. Many times they pull shame into the cave. They pull guilt into the cave. They pull perversion into the cave. Because by design, it's not good that man be alone. And if we're not truly connected to God and truly connected to the people that he has placed in our lives, we will enter into that cave and we will pull, we will pull all kinds of baggage into that cave with us. And I believe there are some men in this room tonight that you've been in a spiritual cave for a while and you have thoughts like why did I mess up my marriage and why didn't I do this and you're living with shame and guilt and condemnation and this is why a lot of men pull in substances that they are now addicted to it's because they process and you're not you're not going to stay alone you're going to pull some negative things in there so I simply want to say to those that maybe maybe just maybe you're tired of being in that kind of cave you're tired of trying to process all by yourself. You realize tonight that maybe you have even pulled some negative things into that dark place with you. I want to give you some good news. The callings and the giftings of God are without repentance. You know what that means is God's not changing his mind about you. That even in the dark place, God is, God is saying, you can still pick up that mantle, lead your wife, lead your children, lead at the job, lead what, it, what that dream that's in your heart. You don't have to stay in that cave. I believe that God wants, the, wants us as the men of God, listen, not to sit back and let everybody go first. If we're going to see true awakening, awakening in this nation and true change in this, this nation, it will have to start with the men. I think it's a good place to have a praise break right there. Come on, church. Come on, men. Would you stand with me? Did you get something out of the word tonight? Yeah. Father, I just thank you for the men of God in this room. God, we're not perfect. Many of us would have to admit that we have cracks in the foundation and that we've been in a dark place and God we may even have to admit that we've brought some negative things into that dark place things that may may have control over us now things that are weighing us down things God that are hindering our ability to lead God in the church at home at the job it's hindering us at every everywhere we turn it's it's becoming a hindrance God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit in this place right now that men that have been stuck in a spiritual cave, that tonight they would pick up the mantle as Elisha picked it up when Elijah dropped it. He picked it up 
and started walking in his purpose, walking in his assignment. God, I pray that there'd be a grace sweep over this room right now for men to pick up the mantle, to pick up the calling and the responsibility to be what you've called them to be, to lead their homes, God, in, into a new place in you, God, that there would be a, a spiritual revival in homes, God, Lord, in marriages, God. I pray, Father, that you would help us to see as men, God, that we, it may not be our fault, but we got to get past that, God. Help us to get past whose fault it is, and God, to pick up the responsibility to hold it all together. God, your word tells us that your grace is sufficient, God. When we are weak, when we don't know what to do, when we don't know what the next step is, God, there is a grace available to do, God, what we normally couldn't do, and your strength is made perfect in our weakness, God. Help us to turn our eyes to you, Jesus, so that we can become everything, God, that you've called us to be. We believe that it's going to happen. I believe that husbands are going to become better husbands and better fathers and better leaders, God. Let there be a revival of the men of God that's connected to Bethesda Church. Let us go first, God, like the priests in the book of Joshua who put their feet in the waters, and when they did, the waters parted, God. Let the men go first and carry the weight of your presence, God, into a new season. We thank you, God, that you are with us and you are for us. And we ask it tonight in Jesus' name. And all the men said, Amen. Let's give God a big praise tonight. Uh, you can do better than that. Come on, let's give God a real praise, men of God. Come on, we ought to praise louder than the women, louder than the children. Man, we ought to, we ought to blow people's eardrums on Sundays. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. We're going to... Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting BethesdaChurch.tv give. We will catch you on the next episode.